moment shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, and the child, and sent her away, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And Luke 19, verse 10, says this, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So the word saved. I looked it up in the dictionary. Looked up this word in the dictionary. You all kind of know what the word saved means, I would imagine. Well, let, let's, let's expound on it. It has two definitions. To keep safe or rescue from danger. To keep safe or rescue from danger. So if I if I were to if you were drowning and I jumped in and I, I pulled you out, as happened to me one time. Anybody ever been saved these two of us? I'm hydrophobic, I can't swim. I tried once and, and Mark Dively saved my life. He saved me, he he rescued me from death. The other definition is to keep and sh- and store up for future use. How many of you have savings? How many of you wish you had savings? Okay. Younger people, you aspire to that, but, but it was tough when I was younger. I'll be honest. It's, all that money goes to the kids. But, but as, you, as you get older, you're going you're gonna to be thinking a lot more about the savings as I am now. I turned 57 this week, and, and I'm almost there to that retirement age when I can push the button and, and go fishing every day. I don't like to fish. Golf every day. <laughs> Something fun. Not boring, like fishing. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> I just lost him. He's gone. He's, he's leaving, backing up his bag. Um, but, but we look at our savings now because we want to store that up for a future use. In this scripture, in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, Jesus, or the Son of Man, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Which of those definitions applies to that verse? Eric? Both of them! job. He was listening in class. He come to seek and to save that which is lost. And I think definition one is kind of what I've always applied to that scripture. He's come to rescue him, to pull him out of danger. But I believe definition number two applies just as much. He's coming to preserve him for future use. Aren't you glad you were saved? It's not a trick question. How many of you feel saved? That's not a trick question. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, let's stop for a second. What does it mean to be saved? You were born in sin. Everyone was. Nobody taught us how to sin. We were born with a sin gene that, that is natural to us. We were born as sinners. When God created Adam and Eve, they made a mistake and partook of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now they have this knowledge of evil, and their sons, one of them, killed the other one. You look three chapters later, the entire earth is filled with violence and evil and wickedness continually. That's what the sin gene does. With, without being checked, it goes crazy. If there were no laws against things, you would do them. How fast would you drive if there was no uh, uh, speed limit? Yeah. But if there were no speed limits and no stop signs, what kind of chaos would we run into? I mean, we run into chaos with them. How many people would you have killed if there was no law against murder? That's a legitimate question. (laughs) Yeah, I know (laughs) three or four driving here. (laughs) Is that what you said? I would have no brother. But, but the law was then implemented in order to teach us what was wrong. Because without the law, we saw in the Old Testament that chaos ensued. And without law, chaos will ensue. So, so the law was implemented to teach us what was right. 
Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 says the law was our schoolmaster or our teacher. It taught us what is wrong. Don't do this. Don't do this. This is how you get, you got the ten moral codes, the, the, the ten commandments, plus all of the other commandments that taught them how to live together as a society. And we still have laws today based on many the laws that you see in the Old Testament. The law was our schoolmaster. But the Spirit of God was given out when Jesus was born and died and allowed His Spirit the opportunity to fill our lives. I'm, I'm making this real quick because I don't want to stay here too long. I think most of you know this. You need the Spirit of God, not just laws. You might be a good person. You might be the best person. You still need the Spirit of God. If you're here today and you're just a great person and you follow all of the laws and the commandments, that's great. But you still need the Spirit of God. If you don't believe me, I'm going to read this to you from Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. It says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives. In me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21 I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. If the rules were good enough, we don't need Jesus dying on a cross. But he died on the cross so that. His Spirit could now come into our lives. If you have not been filled with the Spirit of God, you need the Spirit of God. Acts chapter 2 says, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost after being filled with the Spirit, he preached a message, and when he was done with the message, the people around him were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, What shall we do? Peter said unto them, Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And be filled with the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. I tell you today, it's not changed. To be saved, you need to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and be filled with the Spirit. That's the only option I see in my Bible. So, take advantage of it. Be saved today. Now, when we talked about this in Sunday school, my, uh, my co-teacher Sunday said something that I had never thought of before, and I've thought about it a lot since then. Does anybody remember what Blake said in class about being saved? All right, I'll, sh- I'll share with you. Yeah, so, yes. He said that. He said, our saved from looks different from person to person. And it caused me to stop and think like you're doing, Rich. I see that tilted head. Saved from, my saved from looks different than your saved from. My story is different. My experience is different. How many of you were born in a home with a, a pastor? Anybody else besides you guys? Anybody? Okay, so we were already we we're already disconnected. Our stories are different. How many of you went to a Christian school? How many of you went to the same Christian school I did? <laughs> we have similar stories. The four of us have very similar stories. So our safe room is very similar. But my story and Larry's story are different. My story and Kevin's story are different. My story and Rich's story. My story and Brother Melder's story, they're different. My saved from is different. It's not the same. And I don't know that I've ever thought about that. Saved is saved. Well, kind of not really. I mean, outside of the requirements that I mentioned before, Saved is vastly different. 
And when I look at my saved and you look at your saved, we're probably not looking at it the same way, and I never thought about that. And I think it applies the same way to the saved for. When you were saved, Brother Darren, did God erase your tattoos? No. Did he change anything in your past? So you're still that Darren to some extent. I believe we have life tattoos that we carry with us the rest of our life. There's some things that are just tattooed into my, my, my life that can never be changed. I am what I am to some extent. Now I have the Spirit of God that changes tomorrow and today, but it doesn't do anything about my past. My past is what it is. It's tattooed there forever. It changes my save to. My save from looks different than yours, but my save to is it the same? <laughs> to some extent, our save too is the same. Again, we have this, we've met the same requirements, but here's what I don't see when I look at APC. A bunch of people that are robots. Our personalities don't change. We couple our personalities with the Spirit of God. Uh, now, you look at uh, Peter and John. They're totally different personalities of disciples, but they were still disciples of Christ. They, they, they functioned differently. And we don't all function the same once we're filled with the Spirit of God because we are tattooed with life that makes us different. Our genes, our experiences, our decisions up to that point have made us kind of who we are. Now we take that and we apply the Spirit of God to it, and it looks different as I look across this congregation. Now, there are some things that are the same, but there are multiple things that are different in my save too. Brother Darren, I, I wish we didn't have this camera here so we could... Hey, hang on just a second. So that was part of Blake's point. When you look at the Great Commission as a blanket statement, we're all saved to the same thing. We are to go you therefore, right? We're all to do the same thing. But I can reach people that you can't reach because I have different influences in different areas that you don't have. And so it is the same, but it operates different. Man, that was good. You've been hanging out with, with your wife, I can tell. That was really good. I, I, I got up here and I can't even remember I can't remember how you said it. Just from that little strip our 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 commission, the same. How we execute it may look differently. Anybody disagree with that? It was well said. I can skip like three lines of my notes now. That didn't say it as good as you just said it. You look at uh, David. He's, he's this, this guy who's brought before Saul because there's a giant that's come against the army. And this giant is challenging the army in the Old Testament. And David says, I'll go fight that guy. And to make a long story short, Saul agrees and says, okay, you can go fight the giant. And what does Saul do to assist in the facilitation of David killing the giant? He gave him his armor. What a great guy. He said, if you're going to go fight the giant, son, you're going to need this because it will help you. And you're going to need this because it, too, will help you. Put on this helmet, put on this breastplate, and take this sword. 
And as we all know that know this story, that did not work for David. He had a slingshot that he didn't know how to use. He had never used the other items. He wasn't skilled or accomplished with what Saul was skilled or accomplished with, but he was skilled and accomplished with something. You're saved, I believe, is unique. And you're saved is unique with a purpose for the Great Commission. We talked about this Sunday morning, this, the four scriptures that said, go and preach. Jesus talked to his disciples right before he left and said, go and preach. Go and preach. Go and preach. Go and preach. We are disciples, descendants of the disciples. Do you think the message is any different for us? I believe it's the same. Go and preach. How many of you would love to get up behind this pulpit and preach? <laughs> some of you, some of you like that, like that idea. Some of you, it inspires you to, to do that, but some of you would be horrified to have to get up behind this in front of people and talk. I remember my first time. I had my, I believe it was four or five pages of notes, and I got through them like three or four minutes. <laughs> so I read them again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's different. But my personality kind of lends itself to this kind of thing. But there are things I would not want to do. There are things I'm not good at. I see Sister Jairus walk in. I that just, <laughs> there is a unique gifting there that, not many could do. <laughs> I said fishing earlier. I can't stand the thought of fishing. Brother Kevin just, he had this sad look on his face because that's something you may be passionate about. Ugh. Brother White was trying to take me hunting when I was younger. <laughs> I don't want to go kill a deer. It's the last thing I want to do. And he loves it. We, but we're different. We are so different. We're uniquely that way for a reason. I've heard people say, but you don't know my story. You don't know. You don't know what I've come from. You don't know what I've been through. I would challenge that by saying, if you're alive, there is hope. And I want to share a couple of stories here. And I started to read one as we started. Abraham, as you know, the father of the nation of Israel, was given a promise when he was a young man of 76. Young compared to when it actually happened. At 76 years old, he was given a promise that his seed would be the seed God would choose generations down the line, that, that his lineage would be the lineage he's choosing. That was at 76. At 86, still not seeing the results of this promise, his wife encouraged him to, to take a, a substitute, take her handmaid or her servant, and maybe the miracle would happen through that. Well, she did get pregnant with Abraham's baby, but it wasn't the promise, as we all know. That baby's name? Ishmael. When Abraham was 100, so 14 years later, the promise was fulfilled and Isaac was born. So now there are two sons living in this house, the mistake and the miracle. Fourteen years separated these two. At some point, Sarah saw Ishmael, the mistake, mocking her son of the promise. And Mama didn't like that. And went to Daddy and said, that's got to stop. They 
have to go. And it grieved Abraham because he was his son. But Abraham prayed and God said, send Ishmael away. So obeying God's command, God instructed him to send Ishmael and Hagar away. He did so. Ishmael and Hagar leave. The mistake is now gone. Mistake's no longer in the house. Now we have the promise. And we don't hear anything about the mistake outside of the fact that he, he had 12 sons and a daughter, just like Jacob did, which is kind of unusual. But he, he did have 12 sons and a daughter. It's mentioned at one point. But nothing else. Ishmael vanishes. And the, the story now goes to Jacob's, or um, uh, Abraham's son Isaac. And Isaac has a son named Jacob. And the promise starts to follow the, the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons and a daughter. Jacob has one son named Joseph, one of the youngest. He had one younger named Benjamin. But, but Joseph was his favorite son because it was of the wife that he loved the most. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of headaches to me. <laughs> but that's what happened back then. He had a favorite wife. Bart, were you interested in that? No, no. <laughs> he had a favorite wife, and that wife had a son named Joseph, and Joseph became his favorite son, and, and he treated him differently than he did the other brothers. I don't think I would like that if I was one of the other brothers either, but and they didn't. They didn't. They were, they were brothers. I mean, I, I fought with a brother that I did like. A lot. But this is a, a bratty little brother, it appears, because Joseph would, he pushed their buttons. He'd tell them dreams he had about how much better he was than them. He just made it worse. Wearing his coat of many colors. And here he is one day, Joseph goes to see his brothers, and he's got his coat on, and they'd had enough. Here comes the brat, and they made up in their minds that this would be the last time they were going to deal with this kid, and they wanted to kill him. One of the brothers said, no, let's not, let's, let's not, I remember how the story goes exactly now that I'm up here, and my mind just went, they put him in a pit. They didn't kill him right away, and the one brother was going to come back and let him out later, that's how it was. Brother brother's going to come out and release him. So they put him in a pit. Well, while that one brother left, here comes a band of traitors by. And the band of traitors on their way to Egypt were carrying slaves. One of the brothers, or more than one, got the, the great idea, let's sell Joseph to this band of traitors. To, then, then he's out of our hands. Let, let me read you this story. It's in Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, verse 25. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brother, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the... What? I hear people muttering it, muttering it. To the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. And there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. We know that Joseph needed to go to Egypt because in a few years he was going to bring salvation to his family. But the vessel through which Joseph was saved was the mistake Abraham made many, many, many years ago. 
the Ishmaelites, the descendants of Ishmael, propagated the miracle that was about to take place. I don't know what kind of mistakes you've made in your life, but I know this, God is not through with you, and God can turn your mess into a message. And I didn't see that on Facebook. I think I made that up. But I believe it's true. God will take your mess and make a message out of it. Brother White, your daughter, Cindy, made me lose a lot of hair. Yeah, look at us. Look at us. We both had a lot of hair. Did you lose some sleep over her like I did? I mean, I did, and I was just her youth pastor. You were dead. I remember the email she sent me the day she said she's not coming back to church. She did some things, though, didn't she? She did some things, though, didn't she? I have a a hint of what she did, and it wasn't what you taught her. (laughs) It wasn't what I taught her. But this girl, Cindy White, left the church, went and did her own thing, doing some things that she shouldn't have done, and doing some things she she knew she shouldn't have done, making a mess of things. And while she was out there making a mess, she met this kid, Another messed up kid named Josh, Josh Linton. And she told me this. She said they were in a bar downtown Bloomington, and they started talking about church and intrigued Josh because she was with another church kid who was no longer going to church. I'm going to stop and say this. We talked Sunday in our Sunday school class about trees. I'll, I'll tell you the story. I've got a friend. He's, he, he was born in Mexico, lived in Mexico most of his life, come over to the United States. He's, he's now doing pretty good for himself. And I asked him, why don't you go back to Mexico? Why, why, why are you still here? Why, why haven't you gone back to your family? Go back, he goes back to visit them a lot. What keeps you here? And here's was his analogy. He said, you see that tree there? There's a big tree, big, big tree. I said, yeah. He said, that tree used to look like this. used to be small like that. He said, when it was small like that, you could pick it up and move it wherever you wanted it. He said, but now you can't move a tree like that because it's been there too long and its roots are too deep. I would encourage, I shared this Sunday, and Blake and I sat down here for like 15 minutes afterwards talking about it, and he said that that story resonated with me because of the roots my parents sunk into me when I was a kid. If you have, if you have young people, you've, you've helped sink some roots in. I don't think those roots are going to go away. Don't give up on your children. I remember when Cindy and Josh came to church. She brought him to church. He loved it. And I don't think she was expecting that. For those of you that don't know, they are now the pastors of the church in Normal on the campus. And their saved two is a very unique saved two (laughs) on the campus of Illinois State University. If I were to go to that spot and tell people my saved two story, or my saved from story, I'm sorry, my saved from story, it would be a total yawner to most of them. I got a yawner saved, saved from story, and I'm glad about that. I'm glad I don't have some of your stories, although they are interesting. I'm glad I don't have them. But it's kind of a yawner. But their saved from is incredible, and what an offering they have to that community. Josh just loves people. It's, I can remember he was a young, as a young man before he even came here to, started coming here to this church. 
he would stop and talk to anybody, and you could just feel that love. And that was out there somewhere. How many others saved from out there can we reach that would dynamically impact the kingdom of God? I met a guy, his name was Mike. I met him just a few years ago, and he wanted to talk to me. So we went to eat. He said, I, I got to talk to you. I want to I come to church. He said, but look at me. And he, he, was, he was well tatted. He had, a, he had a big, long, what, I don't know what they're called, chin beard. <laughs> It'd take me like 15 years to grow. He, he probably grew in that week. It was just, uh, he's kind of scary looking, honestly. And he said, what would God, how could God use somebody like me? It's like, what? You're perfect. Perfect. God needs people like you. I almost hate it that you would come to church and shave your beard and <laughs> cover your tattoos because you have a testimony that's going to reach people. Because our save two is so different. Because your two, the people you're sent to, they're going to respond differently than the people I'm sent to. Um, let me ask you this question, and I'm closing a little bit early, probably. What makes you qualified to minister? What are the qualifications that you need to have to minister? It's kind of a trick question, so I'll throw it out there. <laughs> the Spirit of God. Larry. How would you receive the call? I'm going to put you on the spot, Larry. There you go. They have. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Nobody else wants to say anything. All right, go. Here you go. You have to be what? Willing? Called? Willing? Filled? You don't love people? Those are the qualifications. Let me take you to a story. Jesus was feeding 5,000 men besides the women and children. This great revival service. And he said to his disciples, let's go. We have to go someplace else. And they, went, they left this dynamic service and went down and got in a boat to go over to a Gentile region, not even a Jewish region, just a Gentile region where, where these people weren't Jews. Or they, they didn't have the, the knowledge of the Old Testament like the Jews had. These were Gentiles. And he got in a boat and went to this Gentile region where they had no concept of this God. And they met a man. And this man was full of 2,000 devils. And this guy with 2,000 devils ran to Jesus and fell at his feet. The story this guy had was pretty crazy. I mean, they tried to contain this guy. They put chains on him, fettered him up. He'd break him away. They tried to civilize him, but he would have none of that. Everybody knew the guy. They all knew crazy Larry, whatever. <laughs> I don't know why that came out. 
I like Larry, by the way. Just they knew this crazy guy. They just knew who he was. And when he met Jesus, the twelve, or excuse me, the the, the two thousand demons were cast out, and we know it was a Gentile reason because they went into the pigs. Because Jews would have nothing to do with the pigs. They went into the pigs, and the pigs had this suicidal spirit, jumped off the cliff, killed themselves, leaving this man there in his right mind, sane for the first time since who knows where. Jesus left the 5,000 to go to this one, this one guy. with no concept of God at all, recently delivered of 2,000 devils, I mean recently, like just moments ago, said, I'm going to go with you when you go. I want to be a part of this. And Jesus says to him, no, you can't go. Instead, Go to these cities around here and tell your story. The qualifications for being a minister, for being able to talk and tell your story. And if you love people, (laughs) bonus, because you should love people, especially if you're filled with the Spirit, because that's the first gift of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit is love. We should love people when we're full of the Spirit. If you're not loving people, get a good dose of the Spirit. Somebody said, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. The qualification is you have a story to tell. Tell your story. Tell your story to whoever is around. This guy had such an impactful story because everybody knew his real story. Same with the woman at the well. I don't know why it just popped in my head, the woman in the well. They believed Jesus because what the woman said, because they knew her. People know us, especially people who know you. They know you. And if you've got an incredible story to tell, you should tell it. Here's what happened. That was in Mark chapter 5 and Mark chapter 8. Jesus revisits that region. (laughs) This is incredible. 4,000 people besides, 4,000 men besides the women and children were there and were fed with five loaves and a few fish. Because one guy told his story. That's all he did. He had no training. He just told his story. His saved from really impacted his saved to. And I say all this tonight because I think, okay, I'll I'll just talk to myself. I get self-absorbed in my daily routine. I really do. Because I, I like structure. I like, I like to plan ahead. We go on vacation, my wife and I. I know how much money we're going to spend before we go. I was off by $4 on this last one. The one before that, I was off by 7 Getting better. Next one, be off by a buck, maybe. I like structure. I, I want to know. I, I want to have an expected end to, to everything that happens in my day. I, I, I kind of get heads down and I just function. How many of you would love to live like that? <laughs> yeah, my wife loves it too. <laughs> How many of you just like, whatever? I get up and let's just go. I can't even stand the thoughts of that. But in my, my daily structure and daily routine, I think sometimes I, I miss opportunities. I know I miss opportunities. I know I do. Because I'm so into me. And I, I've really thought about this so much recently that, and maybe it's, maybe it's a byproduct of getting older. I, I don't know. I, I've started to kind of, look at myself a little differently. 
and understand that there are opportunities that I have that are very unique to me, and I need to be taking advantage of these. And so I've been kind of a highly sensitized to these things. Those of you that just go, you probably have more opportunities than, than us more introverted type personalities where you just run into people and whatever, hey. What do you say when somebody says, hey, how's your day going? I mean, that's, that's important. That's an important question to respond to. If you start into, well, I don't, I'm not happy again today. That boss of ours, you know, no, they know all that. Let, let's, set, let's set some expectations for ourselves and go, you know what? I got a story, and I'm going to somehow worm it in here. <laughs> I, I shared this example, and I'm going to share it again because it's so incredibly subtle <laughs> that it's almost missed. I love to play softball. You may not know that. <laughs> I don't like to fish, but I love to play softball. So we all have our passions, and they drive the people that are around us. Uh, and so I, I'm around the same group of people a lot. And I was playing with, with some of the guys, church, and we were playing, and there, were, there was a single elimination tournament. We were playing. And another team had played before us, and they won. They won the game. They were waiting to play the winner of our game. They were just standing over there waiting. And our game was going on, and we've been playing together for a while. And, and the umpire is an umpire. They've been umpiring in our league for a long time. He knew us. We had a close play at first base, and Braden, Braden A was the first baseman. And the throw was wild. Braden reached up to catch it, swiped the tag, and the umpire called the guy out. And everybody over there went, no, no, he's safe, he missed him. And the umpire did something I've never seen an umpire do. He looked at Brayton and said, did you tag him? Most umpires just, what they say, they say. <laughs> right or wrong, you live with it. He looked at Brayton and said, did you tag him? Brayton said, no. He said, safe. I've thought a lot about that. Number one, you don't, he, that umpire, even not even thinking about it, knew he was in a safe place to ask him because he knew the rest of the team would not, would not get all upset. And he knew Braden would give him an honest answer. We won that game and played that other team next. Almost the identical play happened. Wild throw. Brayden reached up to catch it. Reached to tag the guy. Out. The other team said, he didn't tag him. Ask him. He'll tell you the truth. <laughs> the umpire didn't ask him, fortunately, because he didn't tag him. Brayden did it later confess, but the umpire wasn't going to ask again. But just the fact that that subtle little thing resonated with all those guys that says, that guy's different. <laughs> we have to be different. We have to be different. We have to be different. We have a unique story to tell. You have a unique story to tell. Both you're saved from and you're saved to are unique to you. It doesn't pigeonhole you and say you can't reach anybody, but there is an opportunity for you to reach people that uh, maybe I can't, or somebody else can't, or pastor can't. If we're waiting for pastor to do it all, yeah, it's probably not going to work. He should be free to pastor. <laughs> and we encounter people that need God all the time. All the time. That's it. Allison, you can close us out. All right. <laughs> For those of you that can't hear, her heart's racing just the thought of talking into a microphone.
yeah, that's it's interesting what you said, and I think we, we should apply wisdom when we go to share our story. Um, I've, I've heard knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. <laughs> so we have to be wise. You don't want to just <laughs> throw it out there to whoever, but yes, and when that door opens, though, you're right. I, wow, that, that, was, that was really on point. Thank you. Anybody else? Because we have seven minutes. We'll go back to connections class for seven minutes. Brother Melder, you look like you want to say something. I can read it. I can almost read your thoughts. The Bible says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That we there is the church. Whether it's the whether it's the uh, the guy vacuuming the floors or the guy preaching and shouting behind the pulpit or the choir, it's it's the saved folks. So we've all been given the ministry and we've all been brought from somewhere and God's taken us to somewhere. I believe that. I was just gonna say like. Even if it's not a testimony, it is a testimony, but maybe not what you were saved from, but just what the miracles of God has done in your life. Like, okay, yeah, that is a miracle. But I mean, like just recently. So I, um, this past week, I was able to speak to someone about, you know, Myla. Myla suffers from asthma. That's no, you know, nothing new. But the things that I've walked with her through that, I was able to speak to another person about that and how God has used me in, in the middle of sickness, in that hospital, and to speak to another person and watch a healing happen for that other person while my my daughter was in the hospital, like just even speaking that is 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 valuable because that person it'll give you an opportunity to pray for them at that moment. It'll just open up an, a door that you didn't even know you were going to walk into at the time. So I you know I do agree that you know that we should share what where you know our testimony like well how we came to Jesus, but also like the miracles because. There's that spirit of cessationism, is that how you say it? Yeah, where miracles don't exist. Miracles do exist, and we need to be spreading that because right now in today's day and age, like people do, don't even realize the power of God still is in effect. Anybody else? I know Alan and I, I shared this story Sunday. We went golfing. With the guy and the guy off, or was going to offer Alan some whiskey. I think because I was no, I think it was me. He, Alan said, "Well, I don't drink." <laughs> I said, "You're playing golf with a couple church boys," and he said, "This great, I've got a thousand jokes, most or a lot of Bible jokes I haven't used for years," <laughs> and he told jokes the whole time. But, but we got got to talk to him about church and. Yeah, there are open doors every place you go. Anybody? Last chance. Ah, one taker. As much and as hard as it's been, some of the things health-wise that Shannon's been through, it has opened so many doors to talk to people that are going through the exact same things. You'll see people at garage sales or something, and they'll say, well, you know, we get to talking and tell them about the transplant. I saw people with squeals. God can use things that's been hard to go through, but he can use it for his glory and touch someone's heart and maybe make them look toward God. Turn your test. I, I didn't make this up, but turn your test into a testimony. I've heard that before. And you mess into a message. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for saving us, <laughs> for delivering me, <laughs> for keeping me, for sustaining me, for teaching me, and allowing your spirit to reside in my life. I thank you so much for what you brought me from. I pray that you will make me bold and bolden me.
to be wise and to share what you have put into my spirit with everyone around me in some way, some form, some fashion. Jesus' name I pray that you will, you will cause us to be ministers for your kingdom in this hour because you have gifted us uniquely to do so. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.